welcome everyone to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cammie. Hey there, Cammie. Hey, Bryant. And we have another uh, new impermanent guest. Uh, everyone welcome Zenobia Neal, author um, of new book, upcoming book, Area and the Unraveled. Zenobia, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. We are so glad you are here. This is crazy cool. Um, everyone, we, on Mystery, typically, it's just me and Cammie hanging out. We'll pick a topic from any myth or story across time and then talk about some of the history or facts behind the story. Well, today, I mean, we've got like, it, we don't have to do anything. This, this show's easy. Nobody's going to take over and tell us everything. So we're really excited. But yes, yeah, you, so you've got a new book coming out uh, on in, today. It's out by the time yeah. this airs, right? July 7th. Buy it now. We'll have all those links in our description, of course. Can you please tell us what this book is, what it's about? Yeah, it's called Ariadne Unraveled, and um, I have a little... Oh, there. it's gorgeous. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is my, my latest book. It's a mythic retelling of the uh, often overlooked love story between Ariadne and Dionysus. That's great. So, all right. Well, like we do in the show normally, Cammy usually gives us a story, but I think you're going to replace that story from Cammy with one of your own that you've written so will you please uh, take us away to your, your mythic retelling? Sure, I'm gonna read the prologue of Ariadne Unraveled. Waves crashing on the shore awakened her. She opened her eyes to a night sky speckled with stars. Sand scratched her naked limbs as she reached out an arm for her lover. Nothing, only the cold blanket they had lain on. Panicked, she sat up, calling his name. The full moon rode low on the horizon, close to dawn. The sea foam flashed for a moment, reflecting the moonlight of the goddess she had forsaken. The emptiness of the beach set her heart pounding. Theseus, she screamed in fury, already up and running, scanning the vast expanse of the empty Black Sea. The boat that had brought her was gone. Rage burned her every breath, tingling her hands. Theseus, she screamed again, anger ripping through her vocal cords. If only she could summon a wave to crash down on his ship destroying him and all aboard. But she was not a powerful sorceress like her aunt Circe or her cousin Medea. To survive this, she would need her strength for herself and the child growing in her belly. She pulled down the shawl he had insisted she wear to hide her breasts from his men and knelt. She licked her forefinger and dug it into the sand to draw a curse, her tears falling into the lines. Shame unto you, Theseus, son of Aegeus. No matter how great your deeds, let it never be forgotten that you abandoned me here. Her voice wavered, tears falling harder. She had given up everything only to be cast aside. Her fingers trembled with anger and with magic. I will live to hear your shame, Theseus. May you be the death of your father. May you be remembered for your treachery. She spit into the sand, sealing the curse. The moon stared down at her with cold vengeance. This was what she deserved. Her betrayal had been unforgivable, and now she had been betrayed unforgivably. The gods are just, she thought. Abandonment and slow death. After all she had given him, a sword, a way out of the labyrinth, a boat to escape, and above all, her own body. In exchange, in exchange he had taken everything from her, her home, her priestesshood, even her sister, little vixen, Phaedra would surely warm his bed now. 
She would make a perfect Athenian bride, ready to hide her breasts and bow her head to her husband. Ariadne was too strong. She understood now. I curse you too, sister. May the gods give you what you deserve. She whispered this, cupping her hand to her mouth so her prayer would travel on the wind. He had left her with nothing more than the blanket and what she wore, no food, no water. He had promised to make her his queen in Athens, to never forget how she had saved him. The promise of a man was worthless. She glanced at her hands, which had cast magic and spilled blood. She wore two rings, one a snake biting its own tail, and the other an odd hair ring made from a coil of black hair. She had taken a liking to it and never removed it. Clearly it was of no worth, just like her. Giving in to hopelessness, she lay down on the beach and let the tears come. Beautiful. Beautiful. Gosh. Do you ever wake up and just go, Theseus? Ah, <laughs> damn it. The Athenians. No, this is just so great. You know, it's it's really fun to think our, our first episode was on the Minotaur of Crete. And so I think there's a little like weird destiny here coming across because that when we started the show almost two years ago, that was one of the first topics we thought was kind of obscure enough where it wasn't like, let's just talk about Zeus. But it was also like, everyone knows the Minotaur. Mm -hmm. And so that's, of course, really entwined in this story and, and is a big part of it. But I had never heard of Ariadne, especially not really like this before uh, seeing your story. But there's so many familiar names that I, I've known throughout it. So it's great to see them have been brought to life. And that's that's what I want to ask you first. So I I looked in and we've kind of, once you talk about the sources for one Greek myth, you kind of talked about them all in a way. Um, and the Homer, um, Hesiod, things like that. What what was the what was the source material like for you on, on this? What was the research like for you? I've heard that that can be a really perilous journey when you go into research uh, for for a story like this. Yeah, it was a lot, and it took me about five years. Um, mm. The first book, which really sparked my interest, and I wish I had them right here, but was um, it's called Bacchus, a biography by Andrew Dalby. Mm -hmm. um, Andrew Dalby is somebody who has specialized in um, ancient cuisine. And so he has a couple mm -hmm. of like ancient Roman cookbooks that are really interesting and, wow. and very specialized, but he has a couple of biographies. I haven't read the one about, um, about Aphrodite, but the one about Bacchus tells his story in a kind of laid out way. And that's where I first heard that um, the story of Semele, Bacchus's mother, that when she said that she was, that the father of her child was Zeus, some people didn't believe her. And uh, I don't know if I need to give a spoiler alert about what happened <laughs> to Semele. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what happened to Semele, just like, mute it for a second. Um, right. So when she was, the, the story is that she, um, She's asked her maid in Hera disguise herself as her nursemaid and tricked Semele into asking Zeus to promise to reveal himself to her or to give her a promise. And then when he promised he, he couldn't take it back, back anymore, she said, I want to see you. Prove to me that you're a god. Show me your true essence, which was too much for a mortal. So she got burnt up. Um, and so there was another story that when that happened, the people in her palace said, um, oh, well, see, she was lying and she was struck by lightning for lying that, and saying the baby was Zeus's child. 
So I, that was a really interesting alternative story to me that I hadn't mm -hmm. heard before. So that that book kind of sparked my main interest. And then I read a lot of books on Crete, ancient Crete, ancient winemaking, um, the version of Nonus of Dionysus that's very long and really weird, um, and just a lot of different sources. But yeah. looking at the Bronze Age, I mean, my book takes place in a kind of mythical Bronze Age because what happened with Ariadne took place in the Bronze Age, but the stories were told in the classical period. So right. it's more of a mythical time period. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I loved I, I when you mentioned like um, – wool from Egypt and the Nubians, the trade deals with the Nubians and things like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of know, like, I know that's, there's this, there's this idea, but it's, yeah, it's not super specific. It's vague mm -hmm. enough, but you, you can really picture it extremely well. So I know I absolutely love that. Um, I really enjoyed too, how you introduced Dionysus um, just at the very beginning from the moment that you said, oh, he's a stranger mm -hmm. or like a foreigner. And I, Immediately was like, oh, is this Dionysus? I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like my favorite. <laughs> yeah, because he's so mysterious. I mean, he's always like a foreign god coming mm -hmm. from another place. But then where? <laughs> you know, right, everybody right, has yeah. a different theory about where he came from. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah. I like, I mean, he is he is the ultimate stranger. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kind uh, of piggybacking off of the question that Bryant asked, um, what is your favorite classical source for your writing? Um, I think the, the Nonus book is pretty good. Um, and, oh, I should have, I meant to have all my books together to, to be prepared for this question, but I don't have them next to me. Um, there's, there's one, and I can't think of his name, um, but yeah, the Nonus one is the classical source. Yeah. So that's, that's the oldest one. That's one of the old ones that I like. Do you feel for readers that there's something that they should look up to? I mean, I, I, I felt like I, I don't have the education, you know, a formal education on this. A lot of it's through what we've done on the show. So, and I felt, I felt pretty at, like I could keep up with everything, maybe a Google here or there with someone's name, but do, is there something you'd really recommend that could help enrich the story? Not really a classical source because sure. they're all so contradictory. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's the thing that's that was tricky, but also kind of fun to figure out. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, that's good. Yeah, I I always wonder. Like one of the questions I had was like, are you ever afraid? Not this just not just for this book, but your others are are very in the same. Are you afraid of like making like mistakes with the the, the canon of myth? I feel like when I started writing, I might have been more, I mean, I would be, you know, horrified to get the name of a garment wrong or something. But <laughs> um, the more I know, the more I feel, I mean, I'm kind of looking at this story like, what if the whole story of the Minotaur was just Athenian slander to make their enemies yeah. look right? right? So I'm kind of like, well, what if we've been wrong all the time? I mean, the, you know, the victors write, the story right and right. it turns out they also write the myths <laughs> yeah so, i mean i don't want to get anything wrong about you know i wouldn't say that they were drinking soda but they were drinking beer and they right. were drinking mead and it was hard to write about a time before wine since i'm having dionysus i mean it seems like there was 
no time before wine. Right. <laughs> right. But since I'm making Dionysus, <laughs> the god of wine, just invent wine, there yeah. has to be a time before wine. Well, it's wonderful. Um, we we came across this concept called euhemerism when we were doing our Medusa episode, mm-hmm. where which was wild, which was absolutely wild. So the, it was basically like um, the idea that there are these significant events that happen and over time they turn into myth to sort of explain them. So like the idea from the Medusa thing was that there was a, an Athenian temple that was adorned with Gorgons that was like sacked, that was completely attacked and everyone was murdered. And somehow like that story was a game of telephone across the Mediterranean and it turned into Medusa was murdered, you know, was killed. And then they would explain Medusa. So it was like, these ideas that myth. So like, it, I could totally see like, Hey, you know, Papa, where does wine come from? And he's like, well, you know, if you're in the bronze age of Korea and he's like, well, a long time ago, this guy arrived and he was like, here you guys go. I've got this great thing. And all the guards are like, yes. <laughs> so I could totally, yeah, I love, I love that. That's what if that is what happened, you know? Like, that's Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely try to be as true to what we know as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in, like the thing, like Dionysus is one of his animals is a leopard or a panther, you know, and I'm like, I want it to be a cheetah because like the tear lines are so cool. But oh. then I'm like, okay, it's a leopard. <laughs> We're just going to call it a leopard. But I mean, there's, I feel like writing this kind of historical fiction, you have a lot more freedom than writing yeah. in like the 1920s. Yeah. Because sure, nobody yeah. knows what happened. And right. <laughs> a lot of the sources, I mean, it's a lot of the times it's like one source. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's what like I, these these names that I never knew, I, I now see. We love, I don't know if you've, you know, the website, theoi.com. Yeah, I love it's, that one. Oh yeah, it's so great. It's it's like a cheat sheet for our show, really. <laughs> um, because we're like trying, when I'm trying to explain it, I'm like, Philostratus the elder, like, remember him from episode 37? He's back y'all. So it's, it's really fun to like, to, to get to know these people, but it also, it, it does, it, it really teaches you too. Like, especially like when we see Ovid, we know he's like pulling like straws out of thin air to try and kind of figure out this stuff mm-hmm. and, and bind it all together in a way that makes sense. And he was so much later. Too. Right, right. You know, I, that was one thing I really appreciated in your first episode was talking about the time difference between the Minoans and like classical Greece yeah. and Ovid. It's like such a big span. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, you know, the, not everyone was Greek. It wasn't, you know, that wasn't like, it wasn't like the United States of Greeks, um, what they're all <laughs> calling it. And like, yeah, the, the Cretan identity that you show us very early on and more so the Athenian, um, the not so warm feelings towards the Athenians. Um, that's actually, I'll, I'll kind of roll that. That's one like really specific book question I have. So yeah, you, you mentioned that a little bit earlier, um, sort of Athenian slander is kind of what the story may have been in the past. But so th- you mentioned them a lot. What was the turmoil here between the Athenians and the Cretes? You know, Cretans? I mean, according to the myth, mm-hmm. it's the the brother of Asterion, the Minotaur, and Andrew. It's it's great writing um, books where you can't pronounce anybody's name <laughs> properly. <laughs> Um, anyway, the elder brother that they went, he, he went to Athens to compete in some games and he won and he was so great and he was killed in the streets of Athens. And so the, the myth is that to make up for that, Minos imposed a tribute that they had to give seven of their sons and seven of their daughters to the Minotaur every, depending on which source you look at three, seven or nine years. 
and it's one of the that was one of the early things that I was like that I did really want to make sure to get right. But then yeah. there are so, there are like three different answers depending on your source. <laughs> so you you mentioned this on social media too. Where where does the source for the the Phaedra bullfucker come in from? <laughs> is that legit? Like is that is there really some kind of uh, weight there? Were they really trying to like paint that image? Well, I mean, yeah, the story of of Pasifay. Yeah. Oh, that's what I, I mean, meant to say. Excuse me, Pasifay. Yeah. I know it's confusing with the P's, but yeah, I mean, the story that is in yeah. every myth about mm -hmm. the Minotaur is that Mi Minos, King Minos or Minos, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, was he's one of Zeus's sons, and he and his brothers wanted to. They all wanted to be rulers of Crete. And then Poseidon said to Minos, you can be the ruler of Crete and I'm acknowledging you by this beautiful white bull I'm sending from the sea. Yeah. And then he was supposed to turn around and sacrifice it to Poseidon, but he loved it so much. He was like, I'm gonna keep it. And he wanted to keep it so that he could use it as a stud for his herd. Sure. Um, and then he sacrificed another bull in its place and Poseidon was like, that's not cool. Right. And so the the traditional myth, even in like children's books, is that um the po he Poseidon cursed Pasiphae, Pasiphae, mm -hmm. his wife, Minos's wife, and it made her lust after the bull. And so she got Daedalus to create this wooden cow. Right. She climbed inside and got the bull to do her. And then right. nine months later, a little baby minotaur was born. Well, and that's the story. And I mean, it's even in like Dallaire, Dallaire's book of Greek myths. It's just like told more gently. Sure. Um, and it's also like, you know, Daedalus was so amazing. He made this wooden cow. He made the labyrinth. Um, right. And then, and then you know, they consummated. Yeah. <laughs> weird. It's so yeah. weird. Like It's such a weird story. And I was like, why? And we're still telling this story. And then I was like, why? Why would anybody want to like have sex with a bull? Yeah, <laughs> but but you do a great job when you explain it in story. It was like it was the the mother of Crete, like saving it, you know, and and it it really tied it into the priestesshood as well. And it was it was so meaningful. So it's great. So like kudos to you for really portraying it. I I it's been a while since we've done the episode, but I remember it. And it's you you kind of go, huh? You know, yeah. like the 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 creation of like the hybrid monster the beings like the centaurs it's so strange sometimes it is like an obvious like a human end of this but sometimes it's just like a poof but nope minotaur it was straight up just them doing it yeah <laughs> the magic bull right and then, i mean and it's often just told about like how daedalus is so great and mm. one of the things that kind of annoys me is that he also is the one who helps theseus escape because he tells ariadne here here's a thread and here's what you need to do and She's just like, okay, you know, and so I really wanted to give her that power. Yeah. Yeah. To be in that position, I, she, yeah. you know, she'd have to have something. I do love how you tell the story, like from her point of view and from Dionysus's point of view. So you kind of get like each side of this. Thank you. Yeah. Especially the first you... time I've done that. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Especially we, we see uh, Dionysus like just because you're a demigod i think everyone kind of knows at this point how horny zeus uh was and so i love how pretty early on he's like i am the son of zeus and everyone's like who isn't okay yeah. like <laughs> it in line but and uh so but but he is special he is he is still significant um in his own right and so it's it's really great to to see that too 
Well, um, I guess I got to ask, um, Kimmy, do you want to ask one of your questions? Well, we would be amiss without asking about what is your favorite myth? This is such a hard question for me. I feel like really? it's, I know too many, you know, it's one <laughs> of those things. Like, I mean, come I on, just, we're trying to get some episode material here. Yeah. Um, okay. I have one for you then. Mm -hmm. because, so one thing I've been thinking about is how I love that the Hades Persephone story went from this, like uncle raping his niece to this like love story that like a lot of modern not mod a lot of people now like see them as this couple as like yeah. the happiest greek myth couple at least on social media so right. don't say anything against that on social media either no <laughs> oh, wow. like, not even a little i'm bit. not in the know on this yeah no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of it but yeah it's like they've i like how our generation had like how they live on as this like like the happiest greek the happiest couple in greek mythology is now hades and persephone and you know thousands of years ago that was not the situation at all oh yeah i do we did we do this cammy do we, we do, did hades? do yes persephone? we did do the, this the seasons that's and it i want to say that it was uh peter did a did something else yeah and i did the or we might have both told that story actually. Right. Just no, I, I remember. Yeah, that's and we did talk about yeah the the evolution of that relationship over time. So as well. I'll add something in mm -hmm. that myth when Demeter is looking for Persephone and she's really depressed and upset. This minor goddess, I can't remember her name, but she like picks up her skirt and flashes her vulva at uh, Demeter, and they both start cracking up. And she kind of like gets her out of her funk by doing that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that works. Don't, knock it, I, don't <laughs> knock it until you try it. Okay? I don't know why sometimes I think about that. I'm just like, that's a really good story. That's so funny. <laughs> I feel like that adds some insight into the ancient world, you know, just like, okay, you know what? Woof, I'm going to just rush right. you and we're going to crack <laughs> up. It's like, okay. So I kind of avoided answering your question, but um, I no, like I like um, Callisto a lot, even though it's horrible. Sure. Um, I mean, a lot of them are just great, and I guess out of for Dionysus, when Dionysus um, and the pirates. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Okay, okay we're gonna have down. to do that one. Yeah, then. yeah. Take it yeah. real fast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. And I do didn't say the spoiler, so. No, that's great. Do, <laughs> I, I, another, just a quick question, like to touch that. Are there any other like cultural mythos that you've been interested in that have really connected to you? I know one of your books is set in the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know when it's set, so I'm not sure. I, I imagine it was like later. Yeah, but. it is. I mean, I kind of purposefully. So that one's called the Genie's Last Wish, and this is. It's about a eunuch that's given a genie in a bottle, and yeah. um, I was trying to write a pirate story and ended up like being like, what would happen if, and then I was like, stop it. This is ridiculous. But something about it just wouldn't let me go. So sure. I kept working on it. So that one, it's like the 17th century, but okay. I also kind of like purposefully left it a little bit unclear because the Ottoman empire ended in like 1921. Yeah. And, and so the idea that like, like we think about this kind of slavery as so long ago, 
And right. it wasn't really that long ago. And so I'm just like, this is so, the whole thing is so insane. The only yeah. way I could handle it was by putting a genie in. No, that's, yeah, we, we talked about the gin as well, the concept of the gin. So that was fun. We also did some um, Arabian Nights tales. Oh, so cool. yeah, we've done some from that. That's been really fun, but that's great. So I, I was really happy. Like I, you've done a lot of like uh, Psyche Unbound, I think it was one of your first book. Is yeah, that correct? Yeah, my first book, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I, I saw the cl clear Greek path, but then when I saw that, I was really surprised. Pleasantly, too. I'm a huge Byz Byzantinophile, so, um, which is, the Ottoman Empire wasn't so great for them, but it, it's, it's a cool continuation of them. It's a fascinating, horrifying right. world. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like most, that's a great way to kind of summarize myth, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, great. Cami, do you want to, do you have anything else that's burning that you want to throw in? Any of the other big ones? Yeah. Well, as I was reading it, um, the characters are just so fully fleshed out. I was wondering, is there one that you most identify with? I mean, probably Talia. Like she's mm. Talia. She's kind of my favorite. Um, I mean, yeah. but I also love Dionysus and Salinas. Um, <laughs> yeah. I loved like seeing them talk. Um, yeah. It was always really fun. Oh, yeah, their relationship, fun. like the, the fatherhood kind of thing. And also like while Dionysus is like an outsider, he he can fit in, you know, um, but like his, he still has to like really try and fit in. So it's, yeah. it's, it's fun to think about like when you, when you squeeze those little mythical parts in, I like that too. Well, uh, great. Uh, Cammy, I, I think that's all I have. Is there anything else that you want to throw in Cam? Not no, I'm I'm good. I think you did a great job. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. No, yeah, absolutely. It, well, and that's like we've now you're our go-to like in-person like Greek. We're gonna be like, hey, is this cool? Like, can we do this? Is that <laughs> is that correct? No um, problem. <laughs> yeah, and we hope to have you on again soon. We do. Yeah. We do a few like. We have a resident Irish guest uh, to mm -hmm. help us with Irish myths. We've got Peter, who's our uh, our English expert. He helps us with a lot of things based on that. So um, now you can be our, our like Greco uh, Hellenic uh, expert for us to awesome. tap into. Um, any is there anything you'd like to to throw out on our show before we end it? Yeah. So um, I have a website. It's www.zenobianeil.com. It's N-E-I-L and yeah. um, I have the book is available on Amazon and I have paperbacks as well, which was a fun thing to do Oh yeah, <laughs> to get them. I mean, this is like, I'm like, I got my proof and then I got, yeah. um, so yeah, I have, I have paperbacks as well because I, I'm not the best Kindle reader myself. So. Oh, sure. I'll vouch. Like I've been really enjoying the e-reading of it. Like it's been really nice for me. Okay. I'm doing it on the, the playbook store. Um, but it's been really nice. So I'm, I'm loving that. I'm a big e-reader yeah. myself. Great. I'm trying to make it as available as possible. Um, that's great. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's out there on Amazon and the hashtag, um, Ariadne unraveled. I have some nice reviews as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen yeah. them. That's excellent. So awesome. Well, everyone, please do go check out Zenobia's, uh, books and works. Uh, Ariadne unraveled is out today. Please go check it out. It's just fantastic. Really fun read. You don't have to be a myth expert to jump in, but yeah, listen to the first episode of our show, maybe a couple others, and <laughs> you'll be like pretty much all set. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, Cammy, thanks for being back here since you co-found the show. Uh, Zenobia, please um, come back and see us again whenever you can. And thank you so much for coming on here. This has just been a delight. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me.
Awesome, everyone. Well, so Zenobia, you might, I don't know if you notice we howl at the end of the show. Will you join oh. us? Yeah, yeah, so I'll I'll say, all right, everyone, we'll see you next time. And then we pause for like a second and then we all howl like we're wolves at the moon. Just how, <laughs> we, how we do it. So uh, everyone, we will see you next time. Oh! oh. oh.